For those of you that have already heard the sermon, the podcast begins at about 14 minutes and 15 seconds. You guys keep it down. Howdy, y'all. My name is Tiffany Keith. I'm the preaching pastor of Heartstrings, Bluegrass, Worship, and Wild Hearts. Welcome to Give God an Inch, where we open ourselves up to God's nudging. I will read one of my sermons, read, not preach, totally different things. What I write and what comes out on Sunday mornings are not the same. After I read the sermon, we are going to take a little bit of time to reflect on it, what I said, why, and maybe what hit the cutting room floor. Oh God, open us up. Open our eyes that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our hearts that we might feel. And then, oh God, open our hands that we might serve. Amen. There are moments in my life when I am so taken up into the joy of returning home. I grew up in the mountains of Colorado. To this day, when I drive through South Park, I can feel a pull towards home and excitement that home is just around the bend. Driving over Trout Creek Pass brings with it a sense of coming home. But that moment that Trout Creek Pass opens up to the Arkansas Valley, oh, that moment, I am home. Seeing Buena Vista laid out before me, my beautiful mountains standing tall and permanent, still right there where I left them. In that moment, I am taken up into this overwhelming experience of comfort familiarity, safety, home. That isn't the only time in my life I experience the feeling of returning home. When I drive by grandma's house, that familiar old Victorian home set right on Main Street, the swing where we could sit for hours watching our friends drive by over and over again, those old windows with beveled glass at the top that reflect rainbows all over the house when the sun hits them just right. Just driving up the street, I am taken up in the feeling of home, familiarity, safety, comfort, taken up by the memories. Returning to in-person worship didn't really feel that way. We were so concerned with safety, so afraid, so uncertain that it didn't come with a sense of home. But you know when it did? It was when the mask mandates were lifted, El Paso County lifted space requirements, We knew we still had to be cautious, careful, kind, but there's this moment, Sunday morning, early, a little before eight o'clock, we had taped each pew, one of three colors, one for each of the sanctuary services to keep people spaced appropriately, to do our best to keep the congregation safe. And that morning after the restrictions were lifted, a couple of us started pulling off the tape that marked where people could sit for each service. And congregation members saw what we were doing and joined in. And someone ran up to the balcony to help. Suddenly, 
Sounds of tape tearing off the pews filled the entire sanctuary. It was almost all you could hear. The sound of hope, the sound of normalcy returning, the feeling that maybe, just maybe, we were close to home. But returning home is never quite what we expect it to be. Really, if you think about it, returning home is actually really messy, even for Jesus. Hear these words from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. He left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all of this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could not, he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of this word. After that experience of seeing my home valley, as I pull over Trout Creek Pass, I pull into Buena Vista. The high school where I spent my teenage years is gone a new building in its place. Tiny homes dot corners that used to be large lots. That restaurant that I used to spend late nights drinking coffee, where I discovered that cream and coffee is actually way better than I thought it would be. Where I laughed with friends, talked for hours about the deep mysteries of life. Where I cried tears of grief over lost loves, gone to the long, slow passage of time. When I drive by grandma's old house, those old bushes that separate the parking from the yard are gone in their place, a cute little fence. None of my cousins sitting on the porch, excited to see me return, waiting to share stories and catch up. Grandma and grandpa long gone, resting in their eternal home. The feeling of coming home overshadowed by the very real knowledge that home is not there anymore. And we all know that returning after COVID is not really returning at all. Removing tape didn't remove the losses of the last 18 months. It didn't return us home. Last week, I preached at all four services, this one and the three in the sanctuary. At the 11 o'clock service, the choir and the clergy process in during the opening hymn. It's funny because last week I went to the narthex to gather for the processional and I didn't know where to stand. It was such a tiny little thing where to stand, where to wait for service to begin. It was so unnerving, unsettling, something I've done for years and I just didn't know. Week after week, we look over the sanctuary Empty seats where long-beloved members of our congregation used to be. They've moved on or passed away. The sound of returning home that came with removing tape. It just didn't last. I wonder 
about the emotions that Jesus felt as he returned home? Did he feel that deep sense of joy and expectation as his hometown came into view? Did he wonder at the memories of his home church as the sanctuary rose up before him? Was he full of hope, a sense of safety and normalcy, memories of a long-lived life? Was it hard for him as he discovered things were not as they used to be? Of course, his hometown had changed. People had passed away. Wedding vows had been exchanged. The Messiah was raised in that town. But really, it was Jesus who came back changed. You can hear it in the way the congregation wonders about his identity. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Aren't his brothers and sisters right here with us? Who does he think he is? He's just the carpenter. But his time away from home had changed him. He had seen things, learned to lead a group of disciples, taught crowds of people, fed the hungry, performed miracles. He saw the depths of pain and despair and hopelessness while he was away from home. And he learned that he could do something about it. He learned to see God's work in places that he had not known was possible when he was still at home. He changed while he was away from home. We have changed while we've been away from home too. The last 18 months have changed who we are as a church, a world, and as individuals. We have seen things we would not have seen had we never left the predictability of what used to be. We long to return home. Whenever, wherever we found the comforts of home before, we long for that experience that experience of safety and comfort. But what we find is that time went on while we were away and now home is not the same and really neither are we. The people in Jesus' hometown were so blinded to the passage of time, so blinded to change that he could do no deed of power there. God could not do the amazing, beautiful, transformative work in the very town the Messiah was raised in. The world changed from that place. History was written from within the walls of that city. And God could not do deeds of power there. And Jesus, did you hear his response? Did you really listen? He was amazed at their unbelief. Their unbelief made them blind to God's presence right there, right there in their midst. As hard as it is to return home and find that it isn't really home anymore, can you see God's power at work? Look, believe, you will see. Like so many communities, faith communities, and businesses, and entire industries, we are struggling to know what the next right step is. For us, that means trying to understand how to rebuild volunteer teams and multiple worship services. We've tried leaning on Facebook and YouTube. Maybe we need to put our energy into keeping our online audience here with us. But after pouring ourselves ourselves and resources into that, you can just look around and see. It didn't help so much as people found themselves desiring in-person worship. 
So we tried buying swag and handing out welcome bags. We've tried sermon reflection groups to provide a place to build community and conversation. And that's working for one of the services, but not this one. I've tried asking for volunteers during announcement time and no one has stepped up to say I can help. You know what did work? It's in another one of our services. One person, one, has said she's willing to lead the building of the community. Every Sunday, she introduces herself to visitors, invites them to coffee, gets to know them. She organized a simple gathering with cookies and conversation. Almost as many people attended that as the average attendance. She said it was wonderful to dream together, to get to know one another, to be with each other. And that congregation is starting to grow. Yes, it takes a ton of people to make worship happen, but it was this one person willing to commit herself to this work that has made a real impact. As hard as it is to return home and find that it isn't really home anymore, can you see God's power at work? Look, believe, you will see. This week we had an all staff meeting. We spent nearly an hour introducing ourselves. We were sharing our stories, laughing, and just being in awe of one another. When we were done with that, we talked about the things we were struggling with as a staff and as a church. We let our frustration show and our grief shed its tears. It isn't what it used to be. But God was so present in the building of that community. What if... What if we lived in such a way that Jesus in our midst is not amazed by our unbelief, but instead finds himself amazed by how quick we are to see him right here, working so hard right here in our midst? What if Jesus saw in us a community so ready to see that he can create with us the most amazing of all homes? What do you think? I like it. I, I you know, it, it, it's nice weaving of your personal story, um, COVID piece, church story, and um, the text. I, I really like the way you wove those three together throughout the whole thing. That that was really well done. My name's Ken Ingram, and I'm one of the pastors at First United Methodist Church in Colorado Springs and love working with you. And who are you? And I'm Tiffany. What I was thinking about for the last part of the sermon was the, the dissonance between the pull towards nostalgia and and the, the need to, to, to look for new things that God is doing. That that's hard. That's a that's a really hard place to be. Mm. Um, I think that's where we find ourselves. Um, but that's you know, it, it, at the heart of it. That's that's what I heard. This I heard the, the invitation I heard in the sermon. Uh, and, and you didn't you didn't um, I don't know. You didn't you didn't belittle the nostalgia. Right. You didn't you didn't say it's it's not important or we shouldn't do it. I mean, you you honored the, the reality that that's the way we all are. 
Um, but yeah. I loved your question at the end. So. Mm, I, you know, because this is another time, another week that like, I really, um, I didn't come up with the ending until I was at the ending. <laughs> like I kind of knew the direction I was going with Jesus and his unbelief, but I'm like, what if, what if we're different? What if instead of like all the things that it, yes, we have to grieve. I mean, we absolutely have to. Nostalgia is totally part of, of losing what was and, and safety and comfort is really, really important. And what if, what if Jesus was standing there? Would he be like, wow, I am amazed at how they cannot see me right here. Or would he stand there and go, wow, like I am amazed at their belief and their faith. And, and I don't think that means, um, I don't think that means ignoring the nostalgia. I guess that's why I honor it versus say it's a bad thing. Um, I feel like it includes those things. It includes the grief. Seeing isn't being blind to certain spots, right? Seeing is seeing it all, including Jesus working right here. And I see it all the time. Like, I don't see it all the time in the moment, right? But looking back over the last week or two, just doing the sermon, I'm like, oh, there's a moment I could use. There's a moment I could use. There's a moment I could use. But I don't know that I saw it at the time. But, you know, I don't know, laughing with staff this week. That was good. We saw that at the time, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think I think that the, the question I have um, is, is whether or not what you're trying to say or we're trying to say as a church that is things can be as good as they were. Or if we're trying to say, even though it will look different, God can be doing something even better. Mm. Hey, that's next week's sermon. No stealing what? next week's sermon. Okay, I won't go there. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, but that's right. I mean, that's like I, that. That I think is the arc of the whole series. You know, it's weird doing a series. So I'm not weird doing a series, but it's weird doing a series that had such a clear arc. You know, yeah. I mean, the whole series was a story from leaving home to, you know, the moments that we're away from home that were just in awe. And then the, the time when you're away from home that you long for home. And this week is really getting home and being so excited to finally be home. And it's just not the same. And, you know, I think we all kind of get that experience. It's just, it's just not the same. Um, next week will be, so what do we do with that? We really, yeah. you know, what kind of home can we create that a new home? It's funny because I ended on the last sentence with next week's sermon, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, yeah. And, and the, the, the tendency, you know, the pastoral tendency is to say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be just as good as it was. Um, but I'm not sure that's the right answer, right? I mean, I, I think that, I think that, that in, 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 in this longing for home, going for home sort of movement, that, that's what we're hoping for. And what the people missed in the story was how great it could be. I mean, how, how much better it could be if they had, recognized, paid attention, 
to his presence in their midst. Um, I, I, I didn't, I hadn't thought about that till I heard the sermon, but, but, you know, that, that you know, that, that's sort of our, you know, we, we, we have been clear that we, we're not letting people talk about returning to normal because it's never going to be normal again. But my default position is, but it'll be just as good. It'll, it'll be just as good. Um, but, but maybe, maybe that's the wrong thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, and this is kind of wandering away from the sermon a little bit, but um, the church itself, it, it, we, we're moving from, and this was an intentional decision and this was your decision. And I'm kind of, you know, doing some of the foundational work to put us in that direction, but is instead of seeing us as one church with a single identity going for multiple worship services and, and kind of allowing those communities to lean into an identity, you know, so where first, you know, United Methodist in downtown Colorado Springs, you know, kind of used to be known as the, the traditional service, the place to go for amazing traditional service and, you know, choir and stuff. We're saying we are that, but that's, you know, that's the televised 11 o'clock service. We're also going to allow for, you know, the nine o'clock contemporary service to have cookies and conversations and laugh and become a community um, of their own right that, that all of us together are really building healthy relationships and allowing them to look different. Um, and that, that is a new home but in some ways it's exactly the same. Like the, like you didn't, haven't changed the worship services, right? The 11 o'clock traditional service, we may be away from home and things may be different, but we've kept that in and of itself really similar. Yeah. You know, so yeah. like, like it's both away from home and trying to be really clear about what, what, what is meaningful for home for those communities? You know, one of the things, and you're, <coughs> excuse me, you're the sociologist. Um, I, 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 I'm curious what, what, what we skirt around in all of these sermons. Uh, I mean, we, we, we name the reality of nostalgia. Um, but I wonder where the, where is the power in nostalgia? Why, why is it so, so compelling what what is it about nostalgia this longing to go back what, what why is that so powerful i mean what, why it, rather than let's do something new let's do something exciting let's do something different i mean that that's not i, I don't i don't know i mean I, i'm just curious why, why that pulls us I don't know if this is the right answer because I, I've done a little bit of studying of nostalgia, but I can't pull it up right now. But the word that comes to mind is conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> and, and the reason conspiracy comes up for me is, is conspiracy is lies honestly told. Hmm. Nostalgia is lies, but they are absolutely honestly told. You know, I, I mean... When I think of, you know, pulling over Trout Creek Pass and seeing the Arkansas Valley and coming home, that feeling is absolutely true. 
I hated living there growing up. It was like not very fun, you know, like it, it was like I struggled. We had just moved there in middle school and, and like, and it was, you know, moved there shortly after my parents divorced. So there was all this personal turmoil. It wasn't like, oh, this is safety. It's home, you know? So I, honestly pulling over Trout Creek Past is true, but it's a lie, honestly told. Why do our brains do that? I mean, I, you know, I, you, you've been fishing for a couple of years now. I've been fishing for 30 years. You know, when I when I reflect back on a day on a stream or a trip that I had, you know, I don't I don't ever remember you know the times I got the fly line caught around my head or hooked the tree above me or you know it's it's it what's distilled what what stays are the you know, the beautiful scenes, the big strikes, the big fish, whatever it is. I mean, you know, the, the fun stuff of that, the sitting on the porch at the, at the ranch in Montana, whatever, um, you know, the, the, the times that I was exhausted and sweaty and a mile from the car, I don't, I don't remember those. I don't know why that is. I mean, I don't know how to, uh, uh, you know, to, to name that in a sermon. Um, I, I guess, I guess I'm just struggling with why is it so hard to, look for new things, to be excited about new things, you know, to, to embrace God's doing new things. I, I, don't, I mean, you probably don't know the answer. I don't know the answer either, but that's, you know, that's reality, right? I mean, it's just hard. It's just hard. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't have an answer for that either, but it's true, right? <laughs> we lean into the, how amazing it was and forget how and the challenges, the hard parts, but I think yeah. that's, I mean, that feels like a universal truth, right? I, I, yeah, everybody I know. So, so how do we, how do we orient a congregation, a community, towards um, God being present in this new and different way? How did that happen? Do we just tell the stories? Do we? No, no. And the question is for me, and just right now, knowing where the congregation is, and. Um, how unsettled and just overcome by grief everybody kind of is as a community. Um, what I, what I'm leaning into, and I have no idea if it's the right answer or not, but I don't, you know, I haven't been using the sermons to point out how wrong they are by being up so upset that things aren't how they used to be. You know, I'm not yeah. using the time to point out how, you know, like you said, I didn't cut down nostalgia. I didn't say how horrible it is, right? I, I honor yeah. what it is in our lives instead of, you know, saying you're wrong, it wasn't that good, or, you know, I, I, naming, you know, I'm not confronting the lies honestly told. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. saying, you know, it, what I'm doing instead is trying to but Jesus is right here look at the good things look at these good things I don't know if that's the right answer and yeah sometimes we have to confront it honestly and say hey what you're saying is not true <laughs> or you know the way you're behaving uh, and I get it out of frustration and out of grief but you know we like we have been doing some naming not I mean with staff and congregation too of saying hey we have to be kind and gentle with, with each other right now. Um, so I guess we do have to sometimes name that behavior needs still needs to be kind and respectful, even if it comes from grief and frustration. 
and your memory is not always accurate, right? You, you, what you I haven't said that. Out, I guess I have said that out loud. That's <laughs> another staff person. You yeah. know, it was amazing how it was before, and you know, yeah, no, it actually wasn't. Sure. I mean, I remember, I mean, having conversations, obviously, like, like all the old downtown churches and this one, exceptionally. So it had a, it had a peak back in the sixties where it was one of the largest churches of Methodism. It, it, you know, it was full every week. Um, and, and I remember talking to some, a couple of those older members. I said, I, I'm just curious, was the music better back then? They're like, well, no, no, really. <laughs> the choir's better now. You know, was the preaching better back then? <laughs> you know no no you're as good a preach you know i mean you know so so there's just something about about the the memory being bigger than the truth that that's hard for people to grasp and you know the church has been in decline i mean you know with with blips up here and there but you know been in decline for 50 years um you know going back to that is not going you know it's not i mean all, all we're saying is we want to reverse the you know the, the the decline of the last two two years to get back to where the rate of decline was before whatever I, you know I, that's probably, <laughs> you know that, that's not all that helpful either I I don't I don't think that 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 memory is is, is good so you know the the other thing that that I was reflecting on just now when you were talking about that is I preached out at the Prairie Campus last week and and a new thing like that. Like, like the Prairie Campus, carries with it a forward-looking, I mean, it has no past, right? It has, it has no memories to cling to, you know, the good old days are gone. Um, and, and so there is a, an energy in, in a setting like that that is different because everybody is, is sort of brought along for the purpose of doing this new thing. Um, so maybe maybe that's the answer to the to the church is we just start doing new things all the time. <laughs> I don't know, but but there is, there is a different energy in in a place that has no no memory, you know, no no past. And I um, which when is, you're not spending, I mean, kind of what I hear you saying a little bit. And sorry, I interrupted. No. That was nice. Um, what I hear you saying a little bit, or or you know, kind of touching on is how many resources and time and energy we spend pushing back to here's what we did before. I mean, the question isn't, you know, was what we did before effective? Was what we did before helpful? (laughs) You know, the question is, you know, how do we do it again? Um, Which is a different question than, than what do we need to do next? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I, I think that, that, you know, as the culture shifts, I mean, it was just, you know, in those, in, you know, mid forties to the late sixties, it was expected you'd be in church. You know, I mean, you know, we, we, we know we all rehearsed the sort of story. Um, you know, you, you, you wonder if the level of commitment was any higher. I mean, people went because they had to, to keep a job, whatever. Um, so, so the question is really not a matter of trying to duplicate the numbers, uh, but it's a matter of what does it mean to be faithful in our time and in our place? Um, and I think that's part of what the sermon addresses. I mean, being faithful now is paying attention to what God is doing right now in, in a new way, right? In ways we hadn't anticipated before. 
I mean, so what I think about when you say that, um, what I've always thought about, because I've kind of always been in the church planting world a little bit, um, is uh, Moses in the desert. You had just an amazing, you know, um, article at one point that you posted somewhere talking about, you know, being in the wilderness. And I've always kind of leaned into that theologically and really in the wilderness, you were looking for the next step, right? Where's mm-hmm. that cloud today? Where, where's the, the pillar of fire today? That's mm-hmm. our next step today. Um, and you in, in some ways directly and indirectly have seen that for the last decade and been naming that for the last decade and it's just now because of COVID that the church has gone, oh, wait, there's a pillar of fire there. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's, let's take that next step. And it's because now the church knows in a very different way that they're in the wilderness that they didn't know before. Yeah. You know? And, and there is, but we liked slavery better. It was more known. <laughs> Can we go back to Egypt? Yeah. Well, and, and yeah. And, and just to be honest, from our end, it's, it's, it's the risk is not nearly as high, you know, because because it's been killed. I mean, we had zero people a year ago in church, right? We can't get any lower than zero. Um, so so you know, there, there was always the risk, even even in the midst of subtle decline in our church, uh, risk of losing what you have, right? I mean, if you if you push too hard, if you don't honor that that sort of nostalgic view, if you keep talking about the new things, you you risk losing what you have but we don't have anything now you know we have about half our people showing back up which is probably pretty good i don't know lots of people watching on television you know but but so so it's it's a little safer for you and for me and the leadership of the church to to not to let go of some of that stuff um yeah, then the people aren't always that happy about that though. I mean, they're still not happy, but I think I, I think the shift was uh, you know, there are more people understanding that there would than there would have been on some of the changes in 2019. Sure. Just sure. understand that we cannot do, you know, coffee like we were doing before. We cannot do bulletins and news and 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 all the things that we used, all the groups we used to do before. We just can't do it all right now. No, you're right. And and some of it we shouldn't. And and the ones that are that are fussy about it were fussy before the pandemic. I mean they were, you know, they they were living in that past uh prior to all this happened. This just magnified it for them and, and, yeah. and made them feel worse so anyway. I mean, grief, right i mean even the ones before then that's uh what what you live into i think is still grief right yeah, I, think yeah, I mean grief is just different now and there's more people um but I think that like, this isn't how we used to be. I, I, there's two things that I've been connecting to grief and I could totally be wrong because I am not a sociologist or a psychologist, but I've been seeing a lot of grief show up in both nostalgia and entitlement, you know, and and it's sort of, and not, I mean, to bring it kind of back to the sermon, right? Like it, like, there's this change around them and they're not okay with that change. And that almost always is grief of what used to be. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and that, but, but the, the positive side, I mean, that, that's where the sermon ended up with was this exhortation, this, this encouragement, pay attention, 
You know, don't, don't be like the people in Jesus' hometown who missed the amazing things that God was doing right in their midst because they, they clung to some past vision of who he was and, and what it was like. And um, I, think, I think that's maybe that's the message we need to keep saying. God, God's at work. God's at work. Um, pay attention. Yeah. Uh, name that and claim claim that reality. So yeah, the direction I want to kind of point towards, right? All right. <laughs> so at work. God is so at work. I mean, I mean, the other side of that really is, oh my gosh, there is beautiful stuff happening. I mean, the idea that you know, crossroad service can can be in and of itself a really strong worshiping community without having to feel like, you know, it's also attached to five other services and people that they may or may not know that that's their community. No, your community is this group of people that you see every single day, get to know their names, you know, get to hang out with them, get to know their stories because they are your community is such a different, like that, like rooted feeling, um, I mean, you know, that route that, oh, we're, you're part of First Methodist, which is totally true. It's still absolutely true. But instead really naming like the people I see every week, these are my community. And that's growing out of, you know, the Prairie Campus, watching them go, you know, they're basically, we kind of always seen it as like a worship service, not on the same location, but, but, but like, what if like, we're all faith communities, even if we're at the same location or not, you know, to see this ability to be part of first United Methodist church and part of this worship service, um, you know, not looking back, you can almost see how it worked, right? You can almost see that we used to have one service and something happened. Somebody made a decision that we had to have two services, but, but nobody ever went, like, okay, we're going to now have six, (laughs) like, like we can't just pretend like all of these people know each other and see each other as part of the same deeply rooted connectional community. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, and all of the stuff coming out of that decision you made, which I will say, you know, you, you, you made, and I was so uncertain about, I'm like, I don't know. I think we should just like go for one bigger. And you're like, no, let's, let's really, let's do this this way. Um, but I think it, 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 you know, your intuition and your experience and, um, all those things was, you know, right on about, you know, doing multiple worship services and, and it, it unlocked so many places that we were stuck because we were doing it how we used to do it. Yeah. And there was Jesus right there going, no, just, you know, do this. Um, or, you know, just so many little things everywhere. I can feel, I can see Jesus showing up and saying, hey, what about this? You know, let's do it this way. Yeah. And, you know, deeds of power. I love that phrase. I didn't really settle on it, but, you know, deeds of power are being done. Mm-hmm. And I think, that's not just in church, right? My hope is, I guess, um, I know you're about to ask, you know, what do I hope you, how do I hope people respond? Um, I think my hope for this is not just that people see that the church is trying really hard and it's going to be good, but my hope I think would be that people also in their lives, in the places that 
are different and hard right now, that also there in their daily lives, they can see Jesus at work, even in the places that just feels like they've lost home. Yeah, that's, you're right. I think that's exactly right. And these, these, these decisions and these changes aren't easy um, because I'm, I am as a, much a victim of nostalgia as anyone, right? I mean, I, I remember, I mean, I, I, frankly, I wish all thousand people showed up at 11 o'clock to hear me preach, right? Yeah. You know, instead of having to do six services, but, but it's not going to work that way. It just, it, it hasn't for, for years. Um, so, so we have to do the right and faithful thing. So, well, I, I, you've already answered my question. So I, I, I want people to see, you want, you want people to be, to recognize Jesus in their midst, even in the church and outside the church. And I think that's a God that work doing great new things. And, um, you know, God, God never stops doing great new things. The, the church is going to be changed and transformed by this and uh, it will be better it will be better and more faithful i think on the other side so and i i just love you know what i heard of course is i've said i heard this this energy towards that that um that doing a new thing is a good thing that that it's that it's it's a powerful positive thing um the, the different thing that God is doing. So, so pay attention to that. It's not just, it'll be okay. You know, it'll be as good as it was. Um, no, it's, it's new and bif- different and better. So yeah. my name's Ken Ingram and I'm one of the pastors at First United Methodist Church in Colorado Springs and love working with you. And who are you? And I'm Tiffany. Hi, Tiffany. Do you think we should send it back to the band? I love the band. Let's send it back to the band. <laughs>